Good morning, Cross Point. Thank you for braving the cold weather this morning. Children, you can make your way back to your classes. You'll see Miss Jenny back there in the flag. And if we can, can we give them a hand? I'll explain why in a moment. But as they leave, they have hit a milestone where they've been working together um, within the, the children's ministry to memorize verses, a verse each month. And as they've worked together, they've kind of reached this goal where today after the service, during the partners meeting, they're going to be having on the coldest day in uh, <laughs> the year, they're going to be doing a snow cone. <laughs> we have a snow cone machine for them. So it's like eating snow. We used to make snow ice cream. So they're going to be having a celebration, but I am so proud of them. Um, I think scripture memory is such a great discipline uh, to do and to see them work hard together in that. Just so grateful for that. So as a reminder, I, I just mentioned, we will be having a partners meeting after the service today. We're going to take about a 10 to 15 minute break at the end of service. If you're a partner, I really want to encourage you to join us for that time. If you're a regular attender, or maybe you're considering partnership, haven't made up your mind yet, I, I want you to feel an invitation to stay for that as well. This is not a closed meeting, but we do want to open the doors, but we do want to encourage the family, the partners, to participate in that today after the service. Now, next Sunday, we are going to begin a new series through the book of 1 John. And I want to encourage you. I'm excited to be back in a book of the Bible. We have these scripture journals this week, this time in English. They're not in Greek. Um, and we got the illuminated versions, which it just has the pretty design inside. Now, what these are is it has the scripture on one side, and then it has a blank page on the other. And our heart in this is that as you read the book, that you're, we're not just reading it for information, but you're writing down your thoughts, what God is showing you in his word, what you're maybe learning as we walk through this book together and uh, through the messages. And so what I want to encourage you in is to pick this up this week. This is our free gift to you and to read through the book of first John this week, the entire book. There's only five chapters. There's three books in this and you can see how thin it is, Right. There's five chapters. There's no more than 20 to 30 verses per chapter. And so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, read one chapter just to have your mind beginning to be saturated in God's word as we walk through and study this book of the Bible together. I'm super excited for this study and excited to see what God does uh, in us together as a congregation as we walk through it. Now today, we're finishing the series that what we've been going through in January, the series of, of Be the Church. It's what we say at the end of every uh, service, go and be the church. But my heart in this series was how do we align our hearts moving into this new year? And, and really, it's been a, a process, an intentional process to say, I want us to begin by beholding God. Like this is what we do. We behold who he is, not who we want him to be, not who we think he is, but who he declares himself to be. The only true God, creator, the one who is transcendent over all creation. This God whom we serve, that we would behold him together. And, and as we behold him, we come to understand ourselves. As we behold him more clearly, we understand that we are both sinners and saints. 
we understand how broken we are. But we also understand who we are as a new creation of people purchased by the blood of Christ. And, and that we're not alone in that. That we haven't just been purchased individually, an, an only child, part of a family, but we are part of the household of God. Brothers and sisters. A part of a household, a community that stretches beyond culture, stretches beyond geography, beyond languages, that unites a global body of Christ together as one family. That's called then together locally, within a proximity, to, to share in life together, to follow Christ together with servant leaders carrying and shepherding the congregation as we follow together. This is where we've been. And today as we conclude, I want us to reflect then on how do we pull this all together? What does it mean when we say, now go and be that? Let's walk in this truth. What do we need to understand in our head? What do we need to be reminded of? What does it look like then to be faithful with our hands to go and be the church? And what should be the motivation of our heart as we go and as we seek to walk in obedience to what God has commanded? That's what I want to focus on today. And so I want to read to begin with from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16. So this is where we're going to be this morning. I want to read this for us and then pray, and then we'll walk through it together. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this, their, their service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, for, for your word that shapes and guides us, that causes us to be conformed more and more into your image as we surrender to you. Lord, would you shape our hearts, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. 
the beauty of your words this morning and how you would have us respond in light of its truth and in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to imagine this picture that that I have in my head, that you're sitting there now in this moment holding an empty cup, this empty glass in your hands. There's nothing in it. And in this moment, your entire life is reset. All you have is this empty cup. There's nothing else. There's no car in the parking lot waiting for you. There's no home and warm bed for you to crawl in. No closet full of clothes, pantry and fridge full of food. There's no job waiting for you tomorrow morning. All you have is this empty cup. No family beside you. No money in a bank account. It's just you in this moment with empty hands and an empty cup. I want us to feel that for a moment before we just jump into what this says. If this is then our reality, and then we read the staggering words in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. This word abound is what jumped out. It's abundant. It's overflowing. It's this sense of this cup is being filled up as we come before a holy God empty. His grace begins to abound. And listen to the language. Listen to to the, the overflowing nature of this language where it says, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Are are you hearing it? Because we can read it too fast and miss it. All sufficiency in all things at all times. Not just that you will have some of what you need all of the time, or you'll have all that you need some of the time. All sufficiency in all things at all times. His grace to you, abounding, overflowing before God. There's a spiritual reality to this. When we think about this empty cup before a holy God, when we come back to beholding who God is, right in His transcendent nature, this holy, perfect God who isn't just holy because He's morally perfect, but He's holy because He's completely other than us and He is morally perfect. And we come before God with this soul-crushing debt of our sin, when it says that the wages of sin is death. That what we deserve is for God to take this empty glass in our hands and throw it on the ground and crush it and spend eternity separated from Him. That's what we deserve. But that's not what we get. That's mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. That we aren't crushed. Christ was crushed for us. And then, grace, abounding, abundant, overflowing grace begins to fill the cup. A grace that was not earned, a grace that was not deserved, living water beginning to well up 
within this empty cup where it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have a life and life abundantly, abounding in grace. That God makes us a new creation, having the capacity to hold this living water, a new heart, His Spirit within us now welling up. And I want you to imagine that this once empty cup that you now hold in your hands, that living water welling up and it begins spilling over the rim of the cup. It's rolling over your hands onto the floor. This once empty cup now full before God. And I want you to consider the question Is that enough? If all you had in this moment, no car, no home, no nothing, but you had Christ, is it enough? And let's be real for a moment. The spiritual answer is yes. The real answer is maybe. Like we feel how life is going to be hard. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Our mind begins to calculate all the complications of life. How am I going to get, there's not even a home, where am I going? <laughs> like, but is it enough? I pray that our hearts would feel that yes, Christ is enough. But here's the thing. Let's consider our reality for a moment. Sitting here in this moment. This once empty cup overflowing, the the abounding grace of God and all his sufficiency to us. And we don't just have his mercy. And we don't just have his grace. There is a car most likely waiting for you outside. There's a home and a bed that you're going to go to. A job that you'll go to, money and an account. There's time in the coming week, 168 hours, where God will fill your breath, fill your lungs with life. There are skills and abilities that He has given you. And He's put all of this in this moment, in this cup. Think of it all. Take inventory of your life in this moment. How God has abundantly blessed you and why it should cause us to ask the question why i came with an empty cup and now it's overflowing it's abounding why such abundant generosity because sometimes in my greedy heart i pray for a bigger cup right have you ever done this thank you lord for your gifts can i have some more some more money Better car? Bigger house? I need a bigger cup, God. Is that why? But listen to what he says in verse 8. And God who is able to make all abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. We have received an abundance of grace. 
And now we are called to demonstrate that same generosity we have received. It uses the same word, abounding in every good work. That same overflowing nature, that same abundant generosity we have received, it's now saying uh, abounding abundantly demonstrate the grace that you have received to others. We see it again in, in verse 9. It says, as it is distribute it freely. He has given to the poor. Verses 10 and 11, that you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Do you see how this is working? Do you see that this aspect of what it means then to receive? How then we're supposed to live? Why has God given you what He's given you? Not in comparing to other people. Not in saying that they have more and I have less or they have less. But in saying, okay God, this is what you've entrusted to me. Why? How do you want me to be generous to display your generosity to others. There's a principle we see here that we have been blessed to be a blessing to others. We have received grace to demonstrate grace. I think we see this illustrated in the life of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, right? This man of God living in Ur who God said, leave your father's house, leave your country, follow me. And, and with empty hands, Abraham left and he says, okay, God, I'll follow you. And God said to him that I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. We see this illustrated that God has blessed us with abounding grace to then be a blessing to others. But are we just consuming them? Like, here's the question. Do, do we take these blessings from God and we're like, thank you, that was delicious. And we consume it all. And we're like, more please, more, more. Or are we saying, thank you? How are you leading me to be a blessing to others in what you've entrusted to me? Like, think about, as we think through some practical ways, I think about the car that you're going to go to after the service to drive home. And I think of the ways that people look at what God has given them. And I know that there's people here who have driven people to the hospital, to chemo appointments, to, to school when cars broke down. That there's a way when it's like, I have this. And your car is down. Like, that happened this morning, I just heard of. Like, Steve Bauman, like, young man's car broke down, picked him up drove them here. It's like this sense of, okay, I've been blessed. How can I use this to be a blessing to others? The, the home, like the scripture calls us over and over again to hospitality. First Peter 4, 9 says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Like, what does this mean? Like for me, the way that this looked has been challenging. So when Curse and I were newly married, and we had just had Eleanor. We were living in Bethlehem at the time. Eleanor's our oldest. It was going to be her first Christmas. And Kirsten said, well, you know, we should invite your single friend, Jason, to come and spend Christmas morning with us. But I'm like, this is Christmas morning with our newborn baby. 
Like, this is family time. Like, we need to keep family and ministry separated here, right? Like, that's godly. And she's like, not godly. Like, show me in Scripture where that's godly. And, and, and wisdom challenged that idea. And so we prayed about it, and we're like, yes. So Eleanor's first Christmas, we had one of my good friends, Jason, stay with us on Christmas morning, celebrating with us. And it, was, it changed something in me. Where home and ministry were not separated, but home became a place of ministry. Like, life and schedule can be hard in ministry. The easiest thing we can do is say, hey, come along. It's crazy, but if you want to join the chaos, you are more than welcome. The home is something that we have been blessed with. That is why the scripture calls us to hospitality. But where are we just seeking our own comfort? Or how do we say, God's blessed us with this for a reason. How might he want to use it for his glory? The same thing goes with our possessions. Like, I want us to think about this, not just go over it too quickly. Because in our community group, I, I can't remember if it was this week or previously, we were talking about with young kids, how they accumulate so many toys, right? But as soon as you try to start to get rid of toys, all of a sudden that becomes their favorite toy ever. And it's like, no, that, that toy can't go. I need that toy. And we were talking about this, and it didn't hit me until later, until preparing for this. Like, what if it became an opportunity to shepherd our children's hearts? To say, look, God has blessed us, and look at all these toys, and there's other kids who don't have the same things. What would you want to give so that others can enjoy this? So that others can have the same joy that you've had? Where it becomes not just a sense of what I'm losing, but what I'm able to give. Now we have six kids and I know that's easier said than done. But I think that's part of what we're called to even as parents. And let's be honest, we need that lesson too, don't we? Because we just get bigger toy boxes in our homes and filling up our garages so our cars don't fit in. And then we need more and more storage units built throughout the city so that because they no longer fit in our big toy boxes. There's things that we can learn in this as well. What about our money? I, I've often heard this sense of like, you know when there's those big lotteries and people are like hundreds of millions of dollars, man, if I won the lottery, what would I do with it? And people are always like, when they tell me, because since I'm a pastor, like, and we'll give millions and you know, we'll build you a church and like, that'll be awesome. We're going to give to the poor and then we're going to like do all this fun stuff. There's always this initial thing of here's how generous we're going to be when we have hundreds of millions of dollars. And then God says, here's a hundred dollars. Here's a thousand dollars. And we don't have the same generosity all of a sudden. We don't think about what we can give away. We're like, I, I need that. And so we hold on to it. Tighter and tighter. In reality, there's a principle in the scripture that, that's called the first fruits. It, it was a portion of a harvest that came in that would be given to say that this harvest is from God. These resources that I have are from God. And I'm going to set aside the first portion of it 
as a way of saying thank you. I depend on God. It is his blessing to me and it is for his glory. And so there is this first fruits. We see this in Leviticus 23.10. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Proverbs 3.9. There's a distinction even between first fruits and a tithe. That honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Sometimes this has been reduced to, and, and you've probably heard like, oh, give 10%. A tithe is 10%. But here's what I found often happens. You look at your budget, and you're like, I can't give 10%. <laughs> like, it's just not going to work. And so we don't do anything. I, I had a professor in one of my theology classes who encouraged us as college students to say, start with 1%. To say, to set aside a portion and to say this is an obedience of giving thanksgiving. Let's start with 1%. And all of a sudden, like, we were calculating what that meant in our budget. And it was nothing. It's like we spend more on video games and coffee and pizza than we do in that. So it's like, oh, maybe I can do more. And what happens then is it moves us from stagnation with a good intention to be generous once we have abundantly more than we think we need to saying, how do I be faithful with what God has entrusted to me now? And so I was talking with a friend this week who practically, this is what he and his family do. They, they prayed about it. And as it says in scripture, in their heart, they decided this is the amount God was kind of calling them to set aside. And then they prayed over that amount. And they're like, God, how do you want to use this for your eternal glory? Not just for my temporary needs, for cars that are going to rust, for homes that need to be repaired, but how do you want to use this for the eternal proclamation of the gospel? And so as they prayed about it, they set aside a portion of that for the local church. There were missionaries and ministries that God has laid on their heart that they wanted to come alongside and partner with. And then there was a portion that they just wanted to leave open so that as spontaneous needs arrived, they could pray about it and celebrate as a family how they could live generously toward others. I think this is a great way to think through our finances, our possessions, we can think through our time. We can think through our abilities and our skills. What does it mean? What does it look like to abound in every good work when we take inventory of what God has entrusted to us? And we realize that, that it's more than just what we give. There's a proclamation that happens. It's not limited to our possessions, but as it says in verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 9, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. And it's hard to know. I, I, is that thanksgiving from the people who gave or who received? And it seems to be this is part of the thanksgiving of those who gave. 
Next week, in, in verse 4, if you, when you read 1 John chapter 1, in verse 4, you're going to see where people shared. There was this proclamation, and they said, we shared because it made our joy complete in sharing. There is a joy that comes from receiving the blessings, the abundant grace of God. There is a joy that is completed as that is shared with others. Our joy in receiving those blessings is incomplete until it is shared. And it cultivates contentment. It cultivates thanksgiving in our heart. And it leads to God being glorified. We see it in in verse 13. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God. We see this outward work that as people receive, as the blessings that fill the cup that God has given you overflow and bless others. They're going to not just say, wow, thank you, you're so generous. They're going to say, look at your God. They're going to glorify Him. And all we did was sit there with an empty cup before a holy God and allow Him to use what He has entrusted to us for His glory. And there is an abundant joy that is experienced. Because our heart and our affections matter. If you just leave here and say, okay, this is what I need to do. Just sit down with the budget and we're supposed to like give this much and we're just going to do it because that's what we're supposed to do. And, and it's out of compulsion. It's out of duty. Miss the heart of the abundance of what God has given us and what He is inviting us into. It's seen clearly in verse verse 7 of chapter 9. Each must give as He has decided in His heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Think about this. God loves a cheerful giver. Here's the image that comes in my mind. Like back to that kid. I, I can still see, I forget what that big plastic toy box was called our kids had. But I can kind of see my kid standing there, right? Like I don't want to give any of it. It's mine. Why should I share this? Right? These are my toys. I like these toys. They can go get their own toys. That's an easy image for us to, I think, see. The child not wanting to get rid of that. But then I see ourselves standing before our bank accounts. Saying, these are my pennies and dollars. (laughs) Right? These are mine. I've earned these. They can go make their own money. This is what God's given me. The question is, why? We do the same thing with our time. We stand before the clock and we say, this is my time. These are my priorities. These are the things I want to do. Why should I serve someone else when this is mine? And we take ownership with something that has been entrusted to us. We can stand before our house like the child standing before their toy box. Saying this is for my own comfort. Do you see what I mean? The mentality, the heart where where when you begin to say, What's our motivation? 
Because the danger is, is that it just becomes a duty. This is what Christians do. This is what I have to do. This is what's expected of me. And there's a compulsion. There's a duty to our obedience. And God's like, why? Do you think he's impressed? Is he glorified? And just your... Ugh, fine. Because you know, like, you can see kids doing that, right? Well, you're going to do it anyway. It's what's expected. There's a heart, there's a cheerfulness of when, when instead of just saying, this is what I'm compelled, uh, compulsed. Is that a word? <laughs> Feel compulsed? I don't know. You know what I mean, right? Where my, my desire would be that it would be a delight. That I set, like, here's the image. You're sitting there with an empty cup. You have nothing. There's nothing to your name. And then all of a sudden you're like, look what God has given me. None of it deserved. Look at the mercy. Look at the grace. Look at the car. Look at the house. Look at the job. Look at the family. Look at this overwhelming blessing that He's given me. And, and I can't hold it all. And as I pour it out, and as I say, here, have some. Here, let's share in this together. Look what God has done. And then you see that God's continuing in all sufficiency. To, to You can't pour out enough. You can't give more. God's continuing to provide. And you're like, look at our God. Look at His provision. Let's share in this together. And you're like, I want to do that more. Look how God's continuing to provide. Look what He's continuing to do. And it's not out of compulsion, but it's out of great joy. Because our joy is made complete as we share. So our joy is being magnified as we give. And their joy is being built up and they're glorifying God. This is the heart of an abundant life. This is the, the motivation, the desire that God loves a cheerful giver because it's not saying here's what I have and I don't okay, here's a piece it's saying look at God look what he's given let's share in the joy of this together and so I want to encourage you in two practical ways in response to this in what it means then to go out and be the Live in light of the abounding grace we have received. To walk in abounding in every good work. Number one, take an inventory of the blessings you have received. Like, take a moment, because we can think through it too quickly. And I'm not even just saying for here, right now, because the list is going to be too long. Talk about it with your kids. Talk about it with your spouse, with your community group, with your friends. To, to write down, if that metaphorical cup was empty, what has God entrusted to you? And then, in light of that, ask yourself, what am I consuming? And what am I distributing? What am I just holding for myself and making it all about me? 
Or where is God, as it says earlier, each one has decided in his own heart what they should give? To take time to pray and say, what is God laying on my heart of what he's given me to lay aside to be a blessing to others? What does that look like? It's going to look different. That's why I don't want to put like a number on things. It's not just about finances. This goes, yes, to your finances, but also to your life, to your time, to your words. It's all aspects of life being used then in thanksgiving to what we have received for the glory of God. Allow him to sift our hearts and motivations of what we're clinging to and consuming. And let us walk in obedience to be abounding in every good work that he calls us to, individually and together as a church. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I I thank you for, for this reality of the abounding grace we have received. Lord, that we came to you in our emptiness. Lord, and then in your abounding generosity and grace to us, Lord, in all sufficiency, in all things, at all times, Lord, I pray that the truth of these words would overwhelm our hearts to transform our affections and how we understand and hold to the things that you have placed in our hands. Lord, help us to be faithful to what you've entrusted to us today in this moment. Move our hearts to consider what you are inviting us to set aside. Lord, lead us in what that means and how you would have that be distributed freely for the glory of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' name, amen.